Hi, my name is Saffron Hart. I am a former Miss Great Britain of 2017-18. I'm now the owner of This Is Me, which is the official coach for Miss and Miss Great Britain. And I've got my own nutrition business too. And today I am discussing the responsibilities of a title holder. Welcome to Pageantland, the UK's premier podcast for all things pageantry with your host, Jessica Barkley. Here you'll find guest experts, past, present and future queens, plus my own personal insights into what it's like to follow your pageantry dreams. So whether you're hitting the stage for the first time, looking to up your game, or even after some inspiration to follow your own dreams, I hope you will find something here for you. I'll ask the questions you're too embarrassed to and get real about the highs and lows of pageantry. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a share on social and pop me a review on iTunes. Now strap on those heels and let's get into it because we have a lot to cover. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back to another episode. I feel like there's been a little bit of a theme going on in episodes recently. Have any of you lovely listeners spotted it? Um, It's something I'm not afraid to talk about and, and that's my general big pet peeve around title holders not using their titles. Um, so really thought it'd be a very good conversation to have with you, Saffron. Um, but to start with, can you explain how you got into pageantry as a contestant? Because that was your, your jumping off point. Yeah, definitely. So um, I was actually pretty late to the whole pageantry scene myself. Um, My mum had competed when she was younger and she was really, really successful. But so although I knew there was a thing, she'd never kind of like pushed us in to do them or anything like that. I'd had friends that had done them when I was younger. But to be honest, for me, it was a complete lack in um, self-confidence. I didn't think that as much as I loved doing them and I loved seeing my friends doing them, I never felt like I would be somebody that could do it. Um, I felt like I would just be laughed at if I was to enter myself into a pageant. Um, And so, yeah, it took me a little bit of time to find that self-confidence to do it. um, I'd lost my dad when I was 22 and I think it just taught me a lot and it kind of made me realise that life was a little bit too short and that I should go go for things that I'm really, really passionate about. So after doing a few other things, one of my friends had entered Miss Great Britain. I'd gone along to the final to watch and I just absolutely fell in love with it. I just knew that I had to get myself on stage um, for nothing else other than fun, pure fun. Um, And I pretty much, um, I I filled in the application form online that night. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to win my first title as Miss Hull. And you're now a pageant coach um, and the official coach for Miss GB. Um, How did you move from being a contestant into the coaching side? Yeah, so it's not something that I'd actually like had in my plan to do. Um, I I obviously loved being Miss Great Britain. It was my absolute dream come true. And um, I made incredible friendships with the directors and you know the people that are involved in the team so I'd always had a really close contact with them um, and they do a masterclass every year before the next competition and they'd asked me to go as obviously the reigning Miss Great Britain to give a masterclass and um, just talk a little bit about my journey and what I did and things like that and you know they loved it the contestants loved it 
and I got a few of the contestants asking if I would coach them. Um, obviously, I didn't at the time because I was the reigning one and I knew that I would be judging that year. Um, but I never really then thought anything else of it until um, the next year I was getting asked if I would do any coaching. I said, oh, I don't do any coaching, but I was happy to just sort of like give advice. Um, and then it happened again the year after. So I contacted Kate and Gemma um, and I sort of said, you know, I've been asked a few times if I do any coaching. Um, is it something you've ever thought about? Just kind of putting the feelers out there. And they were just really excited and they was like, oh, my God, we think it would be a fab idea. We would love for you to do that. Uh, we can't think of anybody else that we would love to sort of endorse and support to do that. So, yeah, they was like, let's do it. We would love you to be the official coach for Miss Great Britain. And it kind of just went from there. I didn't really advertise. It was just kind of like word from mouth. Um, I went and did a masterclass again. And, yeah, the results was just phenomenal. And it was just, an, I just absolutely loved it. I think for me, it's so important if there is a coach that's, specifically knows a system whether they're associated affiliated or they've just at least competed in that system it gives mm -hmm. you a much better insight um I made that um mistake I trained with a coach and got some great value from the coach but they did not know the system I was competing in at all mm -hmm. um and we'd sort of touched on that during um, but I was still quite new into pageants and didn't really know the relevance and how different systems can be system to system. Um, and it wasn't until afterwards. And then I did some coaching with people that did know the system and they pulled me up on a few things that I'd been taught that in a different system would have been fine. But in my system were not looked on well. Um, and it was. Yeah, that was a bit of a steep learning curve with making sure you, you're going to someone that knows the system specifically um because there is such variation um and even just to have a bit of knowledge about what's expected of the stage um fashion wear i find that the the fashion what classifies as fashion wear and wow wear from system to system massively changes um and having uh, a coach that literally can be like yes that is a great outfit but it will you'll feel out of place um yeah it very much you've got you want to be yourself but be yourself in an appropriate setting yeah definitely I think that's why um because obviously I competed in Galaxy as well um but that's the main reason why I just offer my one-to-one -one coaching to the Miss Great Britain organization because I know the brand in and out I've got the support of the directors I've judged I've competed I've lost and then obviously I've won as well so I know that the training that I give the girls is to the utmost knowledge and you know it's everything that they need to know even like you say down to staging positions um, and and things like that just so that I can make the girls feel as confident and relaxed as if they've been there before so they know what they're expecting and you know I'm the first to always say you know if I do have my online workbook that is open to all systems for them to look at and just help them on their way. Um, but I'm always the first, if I have a girl from another system message asking for coaching, I kind of do say, you know, do your research, find out who's worked with that system. And, you know, I will give them some tips on who I would recommend. Well, obviously when we get the, um, the new full pageantland.online website up. We're going to have a whole section um, where we've got information about all the different pageant coaches. Um, mm -hmm. At Pageantland Online, we have pageantland coaching and we do two sections, but we don't teach walk, we don't teach interview, we 
do two very specific programs um, based on my skill set because I teach them. Um, and I'm not going to teach people things that I am still learning myself. Yeah. Um, but one of those programs, in that program, we literally go into finding them the right coaches. <laughs> oh really that's brilliant that's really really good yeah part of the uh, that's the pageant game plan um which is perfect if people have never competed before um because it literally takes through like the structure what is a pageant the structure and looking at all that and then in there i help them find the right coaches for their different areas and um, whether it means that they have a different walk coach and a different interview coach like interview a lot easier to prepare digitally whereas a lot of people would rather do walk coaching in person obviously yeah. the moment's a bit tricky but um <laughs> I'm finding all those kind of balances as well um last time I competed I worked with a couple of different coaches I think three in total um and it just made such a difference having that variety and those different types of skill sets and things as well um yeah. so it's uh I'm, I'm a big advocate for coaching I absolutely I've, I've done it in my business I've done it in my personal life I've had life coaching I've had therapy like I love all of that sort of self-development side and um, yeah America's that's definitely something yeah. we focus on well in the coaching that I do as well that's some especially for like interview I think that's a really big part of it because it brings out who you are mm. and you know what you want to get across so yeah no I'm definitely a massive believer in self-development and mindset and everything because it can take you to places that you maybe wouldn't have gone had you not just dug that a little bit deeper mm, yeah definitely definitely and um, so to move more into today's topic it it does seem and I get it time and time again when I'm talking to people that the biggest pet peeve in pageantry is title holders that don't use their titles um, and obviously some systems are much more contracted um to minimum appearances and things with your titles which for me you shouldn't need to have that, but I actually do really like that because it means titles aren't going to waste. Um, is this something you agree with that um, it's very important that title holders are making the most of these amazing titles? Yeah, I think more than anything, they should want to. Um, I mean, I know with Miss Great Britain, yeah, they your title is what you make out of it, so you don't have to do anything sort of certain. It's completely what you you want it to be, but that year that you get flies by so quickly. My biggest advice would be you you literally start it with urgency and try and get everything you want to do. But for me, when you are competing, part of your journey to the, the final should be what you want to do when you win. You know, that's everything that you're working towards. That's you're becoming that person before you get the crown. So surely it's natural that you then want to make the absolute most with your title. Um, so should there be a minimum I don't know because it's personal preference and I would never want to push someone to do anything they're uncomfortable with but I do believe that you should have a plan in place of certain things that you should want to do because you know there's a lot of girls that compete that would do anything to have that title and you are representing all those girls that competed that year so you know yeah make the most of it I think that's one of my things is that it feels for me it feels disrespectful to the system the your director but also all those other girls that got up on that stage and worked their socks off to compete mm. with whoever won and um, if you then put the crown on the, sh on the shelf and think great yeah cool I want it and um, well you just sort of rock up to a couple of events with the crown on your head and um, and that sort of it 
it's like, oh, well, it could have made, that crown could have made an impact in the world. Yeah, did you compete for the right reasons? Yes. Um, you know, we know that, you know, personal things happen. Um, but, you know, Jen Atkin, for example, who won Miss Great Britain in February, we're now in lockdown. So that's obviously had a massive effect on her title, but she's done so much. She's been proactive. I mean, she was on the Kelly Clarkson show the other week. You know, she's used she was on the it. Time. She was on the podcast. Yeah, she's done the podcast, but she's used her time to make that difference, which is what which is what we want her to do, which is what, you know, having a title and having that platform and that position is is what you should be doing with it. Um, is there a bare minimum you think title holders should be doing with their reign? Is there sort of a like a bare minimum tick sheet that they could be using to plan out, um, be it a metaphorical tick sheet? <laughs> <laughs> I think they should. I think within your plan to the final, you should have that type of thing in place anyway. Um, but should there be a minimum once you've won? I don't know because it depends it depends what system you're in it depends what you're passionate about it depends the reasons you was competing for um but yeah I mean I do think you should be making the most of it yeah and and should someone who maybe doesn't have the time or isn't willing to use their title really compete um this got I I spoke at CrownCon which was digital because it happened during lockdown um, and it was predominantly an American audience I was speaking to um, about purpose from pageantry and finding your purpose be it your platform or your charity work and at the end I said just although your purpose from competing can be to have fun do bear in mind that the impact your title could have made and whether you really want to push for the win or not and I got some really lovely feedback about it and people like I never thought of it that way actually I am just here to have fun I don't need to win and mm -hmm. I was pushing for a win that I wasn't going to use and I just thought it was it was so nice to hear people that they'd taken it the right way for one they weren't didn't feel like I was getting at them mm -hmm. um, but there were a few that then said actually I'm not going to compete to win anymore because I don't really feel like I'll use the title properly at the moment I might do one day um, but I'm just going to have fun with it for now um, yeah. and, and do you What's your sort of opinion on that? Because it was sort of something that, that sort of came out and then got really good feedback. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's hard because I think you should you should always be competing. I mean, you can't just compete to win because the odds are against you for a start. So you've, you've got to be doing it for good reasons, positive reasons. You've got to have achieved sort of everything you kind of wanted to do anyway. But then, you know, what if you, you're competing to win and or you're competing for fun and you don't want to win but then you're exactly what the judges are looking for then what happens you know because you've just competed for fun but you've not got time to win it but actually you are exactly what we're looking for so in some senses yeah maybe maybe you you need to be thinking about this but then it's what makes the dynamics of a pageant does isn't it having all those different personalities and reasons that people are there but if, if you are competing to win, I, I do think you have to think seriously about, right, what can, how much time can I commit to this? And will I be able to represent not just the brand, but the other girls that I've competed with, you know, everything that it's worthy of? Mm. And there's things, I've definitely adapted things in my life because I there are a couple of, of fairly big titles that I want to go after. Um, I was very much just a galaxy girl and actually through the podcast um and meeting more girls and then going and supporting girls at other pa or ladies at other pageants mm -hmm. um 
there's now a, a couple of titles that I really would love to work hard for and, and achieve um, during my now my pageant career is suddenly massively extended, um, which my bank balance isn't going to be very happy about. Um, <laughs> but then there are also a couple that I've looked at and gone, it would just be nice to walk that stage and sort of said that I could see myself turning up an interview and saying, look, I'm 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 here to have some fun and I want mm. to deliver a lovely interview, but please don't let me win. Um, <laughs> friends would be like, no, you can never say that. And I was like, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> if, it, if it was what, if I was just going in to have fun, I would probably turn around in my interview and be like, don't, please don't let me win. <laughs> um, yeah, which I kind of think, I don't know, if you're going to be that open, then... What, what's the harm in it you know you you've paid your fee your entry fee just like everybody else um and you're there for all the right reasons but you know you're you're straight up with the judges and you say you know please don't pick me <laughs> unless they think you're bluffing and then you know they double bluff you, oh. you <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever enter without a plan of what I would do yeah if I won um and it would be more a case of, I'd say that if I knew something was coming up, like my daughter was off to an international or something in mm. a year's time. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping I've achieved all my competition goals by the time she's ready to compete for anything big, because yeah. I, I want it to be all about her when she's ready to compete. Mm. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to going to a, a big international with her. I think that'd be quite fun. There's yeah. Been, that would be cool. A couple of times in pageants hasn't it where um yeah juniors or the teen and then their mums won the misses and they've gone together like that looks like fun or um their mums paid to go at large as a missus because they've won the juniors and I was like oh that looks like quite a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah but Felicity would have to approve that and at the moment I'm she doesn't know what go at large means she's three (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it <laughs> and and what are the different areas that you feel a title holder should be considering when they're planning out a really good year so they really want to make the most of the year they've got the time and um, what sort of a, are the different areas they should be looking at yeah I suppose well depending on what system obviously you're competing for um what with Miss Great Britain we have like different titles which kind of set you up for the different areas that you might want to focus on um so they're just award titles they don't go towards you actually winning um but they're kind of focused on different areas so you've got charity you've obviously got um publicity there's a beach body round because a lot of girls and ladies really like to compete to have that goal for being healthier and getting in the best shape possible whatever that is to them and um, there's a talent round but I think your title has to come down to it has to come down to your why I'm really big on that you know why are you competing why do you and what do you want to make a difference in and then it's focusing on those areas so you know it's probably going to be a little bit of self-development in yourself like we spoke about um, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of charity work in there because you've got a title that you can help people. It doesn't just have to be funds, but helping raise awareness maybe for some titles. Um, obviously, your publicity, who do you want to work with? And this is all setting you up for if you win. So it's got to relate to, I think you've got to have a plan in place for if you win. And this has got to be part of your journey. Hmm. We did uh, an episode 
oh, I think it would be, I think it goes out about two, maybe three weeks before this one does, um, off the top of my head. Um, mm. That's literally called, like, what's what's the plan for your crown? So anyone that's listening, if you want any more additional information and make sure you've got a really good plan for your crown, um, then go back and also listen to that one because that touches on a few different areas as well that can hopefully spark the thought process. Um, one of the things I do get asked with people is they're like, oh, but if the odds are against me, am I wasting my time preparing a plan? But I think for me personally, I discover so much about myself doing that plan that yeah. it's just the planning of it has so many benefits, even if you don't end up using it. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And then if you don't win, you decide which bits um, which bits will I do, even though I haven't got the title. Some things it's best to say for the title. You maybe need a bit of mm-hmm. extra publicity behind it. Um, it's sort of more audience grabbing or you need that sort of megaphone to your voice. But like for me, the three peaks, I'd said I was going to save the three peak challenge to be my charity challenge for when I had a title. And then I thought, well, actually, that's silly. I don't need to wait for that. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll climb the Himalayas instead <laughs> do something even bigger um, or there's well there's the Yorkshire three peaks the Surrey three peaks and then the national three peaks so maybe when I win a title I'll do all three, all back three back yeah. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll find some other way of upping it but if you've if I hadn't really thought through what I would do had I won I'm not sure I would have had like the three peaks would have been a bit more of a distant dream Mm. Whereas it was on a plan and I was like, well, I'm going to keep these bits. I'm still going to do these bits now that with the next year, if lockdown lets me. Um, yeah. And these are the bits that I'll hold off on or I'll, I'll carry on working on my plan for another year. Um, I, I kept saying when I competed last time, I do the work and I leave it with God, which is my Christian side. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is really nice with your plan. Sometimes if you don't, win maybe there was something in there that needs a bit more work it's not quite yeah. its time uh, or it isn't quite right for you and you'll go back and reassess that plan and and tweak it and things so yeah um, or, or something even better is kind of in your way that you just can't quite see yet yeah. but it's happened for a reason and yeah I think if you're doing things that you're passionate about I'm quite a big believer in you becoming that person before it happens you know you should never think or I can't do that yet because I've not got this title. Um, You know, if you're on that journey, like you say, it then come to it and you was like, actually, no, I'm one step closer to achieving it now and I still really want to do it. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, I think there's a a difference, isn't there, between whether you could do something without a title or whether you should do. Like, there's things Mm -hmm. that are on my plan. Of course I could do them now. I I could do them now and they'd be great, but I know they'd be better with a title so yeah. I will hold them off but it's knowing in yourself that you could you could do it now you're awesome enough now to do that that's fine you're just you're choosing to wait you don't yeah have to there's a difference yeah yeah and and do you believe that you should be discussing your plans in your interview when you compete I always think it's good to um know what you want to do with it yeah definitely um I, yeah, I, that is something that I always sort of teach the girls in interview to sort of like in three sections. And the last one is, you know, and if I was to win tonight, this is what I would do with it. That's what that's what we want to know. What are you going to do with the title? How are you going to represent us? And what journey have you been on to get there? So I definitely think it's good that you have that in place already and you open, you openly speak about it to the judges as well. And, and what are your thoughts about 
ladies being contracted to appearances and things if they win I, I do tend to find that people haven't or aren't able to actually see the contract before they compete so they're not mm. actually fully aware of what they're competing for beyond the prize package like we've talked about that recently on the podcast um people don't actually know what prize packages they're competing for but they often don't know what commitments they're for want of a better word gonna get stuck with as well <laughs> yeah that's quite scary actually isn't it i think i think that that should be quite open you know with the system that you're competing with and if it's not there out in the open then you have every right to say to the directors you know i'm just wondering what are the commitments if i win i know miss great britain and Ms are very open about it and they say you know this is what you would do if you won um but the only really thing there is miss tourism world and even that is you know it is up to you that is part of your prize but we would never force you to go so if there are contracts in place, then I think it's important that you know what you're competing and being contracted to before you win. Because, you know, if, if you win and then it's something you really don't want to do, then that's it's equally as bad for you as it is for the girl that maybe could run her up that would have absolutely have loved to do them things. Hmm. It is. I really um and are around contracts. I get told mm-hmm. I should be a director a lot and I do not have it in my plan whatsoever (laughs) particularly now I've got the podcast and pageant land online and I wanted to go into judging but I just know too many girls now um so maybe I'll like come back in like 40 years time (laughs) 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 but now I know too many people um so it was I wanted to do comparing and judging and then yeah because the podcast judging has just gone had to go out the window um so I'm pretty sure I'll never direct uh, but I can't, I can't, I'd be lying if I said it didn't just flip through my mind at four in yeah. the morning when I can't sleep sometimes and thinking about contracts and um, with with Pageantland Online our goal is to help the industry grow mm-hmm. uh, so I'm often thinking around that and if girls were contracted into more promotion of systems and things because it did obviously I haven't seen any contracts from like the 1970s and 1960s but it does seem to be that in the past there was a lot more uh, responsibilities that you couldn't get out of as a title holder um so I just I wonder I do often yeah ponder if that would be a way to to grow the industry to actually have that built in more to contracts um that there needs to be a bit more promotion of the system. For me personally, that's that's part of my plan because I love pageantry and I want pageantry to grow. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't sort of register on everyone's plans. But um, yeah, so there's something for everyone to have a good old debate. Next time you're on your group chats with your pageant friends, have a good old debate. Should pageant contracts be a bit tougher um, if we want our industry to flourish? Um, <laughs> answers on the back of a postcard (laughs) I think I think there's always certain things that you will adhere to but I I would like to think that you know those before you go into the final I know with Miss Great Britain there is a contract before you actually compete which is very much just you know what you can read on their website so you understand what they're expecting of you and this that and the other so I think in some ways it's good because you you know you know what's what the directors know what's expected you know what your goal is you know what your job is but then I think it's it's getting to that line isn't it where you know 
I think in the 70s, like we were speaking about, it was it was bigger. It would become your full-time job and it paid you as a full-time job. Whereas it's very rare that you get that in pageantry now. So to expect so much of somebody when it's not actually financial gain for them, it's hard, isn't it? Getting it right, getting that balance right. And yeah, because pageant ladies were the original influencers. Mm. Um, and I do know, like, obviously some people have been very successful um, at turning their sort of pageantry popularity into becoming influencers, whether it was yeah. intentional or otherwise. I mean, um, Harriet Lane, brilliant example, Misha yeah. Grimes, uh, both have incredible followings and have done incredible things. Um, whether or not they'd have got there without pageantry, I think both of them are incredible people with or without pageantry. Yeah. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if they both made made that sort of journey either way. Um, but it does mean that there there kind of is a way that you could make, I guess, one could make money and stuff from your title and the work you do with your title. But it's a yeah, lot it could work money. in that way as well. Yeah, there's so so many influencers online, and and I mean, you can even do it with affiliate links and 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 nano influencing type style without having yeah. massive followings but um yeah it's definitely it's definitely something to consider when you're looking at what you want to do with your year um and understanding that no one's going to be paying you to do those things because you know you've still yeah. got to an income <laughs> that's it yeah definitely we still need to live and <laughs> us women particularly british women sorry to stereotype but it does seem to be fairly accurate we are really bad at like charging what we're worth and um really being willing to say no I deserve to be paid for something mm. um which it can be very tricky I I would love to give out free advice all the time but also yeah. I know what I'm like I get a lot more when I pay for something like 100% I, I will I've got courses I've got really cheap courses that I've signed up for and never done anything with whereas I pay a lot of money I will rock up and I will not miss a session and <laughs> I'll yeah. like gauge more as well and so I do think actually paying for something is also beneficial for the person paying as well not just the person receiving the money um, yeah definitely it's put that commitment in place hasn't it? I mean I am the worst I would do everything for free and I have to have a word for myself like no saffron <laughs> You cannot do, you cannot do it like this all the time. And I was reading a book the other day, actually, it was really good. And it was about setting where you want to be and how much that will cost you per hour and how many hours are you willing to give up for free? And when I looked at it like that, I thought, yeah, actually, you know, people's time is valuable. And like you say, it gives some credibility. It gives some commitment because you, you've, you put some money in place so you're like yeah I'm, I'm going to make sure I attend I'm going to make sure I give it my all because I've I've invested in it yeah for me my I always value value my time to the price of not having time with my daughter that's it yeah because that's that's predominantly what it is for me unless it's in the evenings where it's not as bad but to, but even then if I'm giving my time to something in the evening, I then haven't got time in the evening to do something else that then has to be done in the day. So in the end, it's all time that gets taken away from her. So it's got to be very important for me to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and do you think it's important for pageant winners to promote their system? Do you think they should be factoring that into their plans? 
I think you should want to. I think if you're competing for the right reasons, you you should have researched this system and there should be a reason why you're wanting to compete. So naturally, you should you should want to promote their systems. I mean, I'm not contracted to Miss Great Britain in any shape or form, even though I'm their official coach. But naturally, I will always be so passionate towards them and I will always promote them because I've got such a love and passion there for it. Um, so I think naturally you should want to. If you're not wanting to then there's then you maybe need to think about whether this is the right thing be it, be it that it's not the right system for you or maybe mm. pageantry isn't the right way forward um and because I, I i do know i've got we have a lot of listeners that maybe haven't competed before so i know some of these seem fairly obvious to people that are a bit more used to pageantry but um for those of you that are new a bit more newer to the scene a bit more newer mm-hmm. that's not a proper word a bit newer to the scene <laughs> we'll go with it um is it important for pageant winners to complete charity and community work with their title yeah I think if you if you win you you want to get out there and you want to make the most of it and I always say to the girls you know when you are competing you don't have to you don't have to make them a huge impact on the world just make you know the people that you are impacting feel like your world so if I was to knock on the door of the city that you're competing and I said right who is representing your city at the moment if they don't say your name to me then to me you there's more work that you could be doing so I feel like you should want to get stuck in and yeah you you should be completing charity work because you know pageants aren't known for what they should be known for completely I don't think we still get a little bit of stick so if you've been lucky enough and you've worked hard enough and you've got a title then make sure that people looking on the outside in know everything that goes into it and um, because it is your charity work your community work the things that you do that make a difference that is really what charities are all about but unfortunately people on the outside don't tend to see so I think if you you should want to be representing that and letting people know this is what we're all about I still because charity is a big part of why I compete and I still get a lot of people saying well couldn't you just do the charity work without competing and I was like I used to do that and I've definitely raised a lot more money competing doing charity work because I think people they feel like they're getting a double whammy for their donation they're supporting a charity and they're supporting me as a competitor yeah definitely I've definitely found that there's been a lot more willingness to donate and when I'm competing and doing a charity event than when I'm just doing a charity event yeah, definitely, because people invest in you. I mean, I still raise money. I still raise money for charity. I still donate to charity, but I definitely raised more when I was doing it with a profile. So to me, that can't that can't be a bad thing because you're raising more money than potentially what you would have done without it. So yeah, you can do it without a title, but I think it's a fantastic thing doing with it as well. And actually, thinking about it now, I've never really thought about it this way. But even when I had my so my my mum passed away from cancer um be five years this October and even when we were fundraising and she was ill so I had Mm. a very strong personal connection I probably raised more as a pageant contestant raising money than I did as the daughter of a terminally ill raising money for cancer which is really I mean that's a very strong argument yeah it is now you've said that actually and thinking about um when we would raise money for my dad when we went through the same with him and he was terminally ill 
even though you had that strong why and that yeah. reason and it was there we still didn't raise the same amount as what I did when I was competing yeah weird that's really yeah. I, it's never that's never crossed my mind before until now but um how bizarre like you'd mm. think it would not be the case but yeah very much was um yeah. in hindsight um and then the other one is do you think it's important for pageant winners to have a platform um, I think as part of you competing for the title, you should know what you what you're representing, what you want to be there for. So you know, platform. It's one of those words. Like, what is it? You know, I know when I first did my first of a my first of a pageant, and I really had no idea what I was entering. And my first question from the judge was, without using the word platform, can you tell us what you've been up to? And I thought, well, I don't even know what a platform is. <laughs> so. I'm fine answering that because I don't even know what you're talking about but so but then you know I was doing it for fun and um that's probably why I didn't win because I didn't really have a plan in place I didn't really know what I was going to do with it I didn't know where I was going with it I was just there having an amazing time and it's really shaped me as a person and parts of my life now um but should you have a platform I think you should I think you should have some passion and some planning there about what you are wanting to represent because sometimes you can try and do everything and it's not quite as impactful as having that strong focus it's um I refer to it as the pebbles versus the boulder you can sprinkle yeah. those pebbles on the water and get lots of little splashes but you you want that massive boulder in and look at the tidal yeah. wave um and you can still do it's not people are like oh but there's so many other things that I'm passionate about and for me I've got my main main platform and my legacy mm. project with goal getters um but then I've also got a couple of little things like for me I'm I'm very passionate about the environment I've gone vegan because of the environmental impact and yeah. um, so I also do my hashtag care what you consume um yeah. and it's it's a little sprinkling and I will never if I've if I've got limited time, my time goes on my platform first, and that as a secondary. Yeah. Um, but it's it, yeah, it's nice to have that main focus and that thing you're known for. Um, the other thing I found quite useful with platforms is it really helps me get um, speaking gigs and yeah. uh, sort of podcast interviews that aren't pageantry related. Um, they don't necessarily book me because of my my regional title or my um or the fact that I'm competing but they book me because I'm talking about goal setting because that's my yeah. platform um it can be the thing that you're known for outside of the pageant industry as well um, yeah which is really good and I think when you are having interviews and things like that it's it's giving you something that you know if you maybe get a question that you're not too sure of you can swing it back around to your platform, you know, and that's what you're passionate about. And you could, you've always got that there then of, you know, yes, I'm being interviewed and I'm here to answer your questions, but this is really what I want to get out there at the moment. And I guess it depends where you are in your life, because, you know, when I think about what was going on when I first competed in 2016, it was completely different in 2017. So I think it depends on, you know, on where you are and what's going on at that time as well. And how it how it sort of evolves so I do um my the other program I do is purpose from pageantry and and in there we look at the skills that that someone has and how that could be used to harness uh, to enhance their platform and um, some of the things that I do with my platform someone else wouldn't they might not necessarily have the skill set to do in the same way that how someone else 
um, would be able to enhance their platform might be a skill set I don't have. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's using the things you've got and the person you are to, yeah, come up with the best platform and then do the thing that will make the most impact with based on the skill set that you've got as well. Yeah. And do you think it's important for queens to speak out about ethical issues? Now, I, I'm always a avoid political, <laughs> avoid mm. political, but ethical is something different. And obviously it's been quite highlighted at the moment um, yeah. with the fact that, that Black Lives Matter has has rightly so been been really had a light shone on it during lockdown yeah um, definitely one on um i think one been one of the massive benefits of lockdown is this magnifying glass um mm. that i kind of always thought of myself as not racist and now i'm actively trying to be an anti-racist instead like yeah. may be part of the the solution and not the problem um but there has been yeah controversially should should que- should queens be staying just staying silent or is it important that they are a part of the the speak out side of things yeah i think it's hard because sometimes it's so easy to look at somebody's social media and judge and think oh they're not they're not supporting this they're not doing anything but we we mm. don't know what they're doing in real life or off social media and then there's that people just sharing something but they're not educating themselves on it or making a difference you know because it's easy to just pop something on your social media and then the next minute you're back to your normal life but are you actually educating yourselves on it are you actually thinking about you know things that you've gone through where situations maybe could have been a little bit different you know are you actually thinking about the situation and how you can make a difference or are you just thinking this is going to look good on my social media Mm. A side thought then of that is should we really be making sure that we're putting because you do when you've got a title you become a role model when you have mm. people looking up to you and even if you're not being a very good role model they're going to be looking up to you um should we be making sure that that our social media strategy is part of our our plan as a title holder i mean social media is such a big thing now isn't it and it's it's really hard because you can portray your life however you want it to be on social media and we don't always realize what somebody's going through sometimes it can be quite quick to judge because they've maybe not shared something or they've maybe not said something or they've said too much of it um so i do think maybe as pageant systems as directors as coaches we need to have that support in place you know just because it's easy to get wrapped up in social media and feel like you need to, you need to look this way. You need to have these things when, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's really not healthy for you. And there is a pressure there because you do suddenly become a role model. But for me, I've always said, um, I've got a niece that's two. I would much rather her have um, girls and ladies in pageants as her role model than people that are maybe classed as your typical role models because of the things that we do, because of the difference we're trying to make um, and because of the people we help. Um, So it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I've done quite a lot of my work and stuff has been linked through to social media. So I tend to be Mm. fairly active on there. And at the moment, I'm probably doing less personal stuff just because there's a lot of... um, sort of structural work and things going on with Pageantland Online and I'm spending a lot of time building websites instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, 
again, that is something that's part of my, when I get a, can I get the chance for title year? And um, that is in my plan because I know that there are a lot of people looking up to Queens and trying to see the example that they're set and they aren't, there are some wonderful Queens and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's that thing, isn't it? If you don't, if you don't check into the gym on Facebook when you go, did it really happen? This is it, yeah. I know, it's absolutely mental, isn't it? I mean, my whole um, career at the minute is on is online, is on social media, but I always try to remain as real as possible. Um, not necessarily negative or anything like that. I always try to keep it quite positive. I try to keep it inspiring for people. And it's lovely when I get messages from people saying, oh, you know, you've, you've really inspired me, you've, you've made me feel like I want to get up and do something today. So for me, more than anything, I try to keep it real, but I do try to keep it inspiring as well. Um, and I guess it depends what you want to do with it, but it's not getting sucked into that, how many likes have I got, how many followers have I got, because that, that, be, that can be really dangerous. Mm. Yeah, definitely that, that getting real with it and showing showing really yeah the true side of pageantry so that the next lot of contestants that are coming in and um, have some examples of yeah. what they what they could be doing with the title see some benefit to competing because for me that's another side of it is if if we showed more of the benefits of competing would that encourage more people to compete and therefore get those benefits i personally believe that we there is an incredible there is an incredible skill set you learn from competing yeah. that is incredibly beneficial in today's society that we just don't particularly as women we just don't get a chance to learn those skills anywhere mm. else i certainly was missing out on a lot of skills that i learned coming into pageantry yeah um, and i came in my late 20s um, yeah. it sort of changed a lot of areas or highlighted certain things that i really wanted to work on um and if we are putting out a bit more online, speaking at schools, whatever it may be, um, more about the benefits, then surely more people will want to sign up. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Um, see, this is why I couldn't be a pageant director, because then when I say things like that, people would just think it's because I wanted them to sign up to my pageant, whereas I'm like, <laughs> I genuinely believe that women can benefit from competing. <laughs> Oh, honestly, when I speak to like, um, so obviously we did the Ms for the first year this year, and it was so incredible that we had women that had, you know, in their late 40s, 50s, that had never done anything like this before. And now when I still catch up with them, they're like, I just tell all women to do it because it is the most empowering thing you will ever go through. And it makes you feel like you again. So I think there's so, like, I have grown so much as a person through pageants it's it was my space where people was positive they were supportive and it was a place that I never realized existed because you know through school and things I never had that so it's I can only speak you know positives and growth from pageantry I mean one of the big ones for me is pageantry taught me what family was like I mean I, I I grew up with a family but it wasn't a family like in the community togetherness sense of the word um and I learned that through pageantry and I bought it home and then when we had our little girl that was something that we brought into our home like into yeah. how we rate how we are together now as a three um very much came from the family skill that I learned from pageantry um so yeah I mean obviously it's completely rocked my world <laughs> <laughs> 
I just there has been a lot in this episode. Um, is, there, is there anything you feel like we've missed that we should have touched on? Um, no, I feel like we've covered absolutely everything. Um, no, I think I think it's been fab. I've absolutely loved it. And I've loved that we've got really sort of nitty gritty on the responsibilities of a title holder. But it's it's been so nice to discuss other things as well. And, and particularly at the moment when talking to a three-year-old just is not the same. Um, <laughs> I, I have loved how many more phone calls I've been doing during lockdown, though. Um I just don't even bother texting to see if people are free now. I just phone and if they're free, they're answering. And if they're not, they don't. Oh, um, I love that about lockdown. Like, actually, people want to ring, FaceTime. Like, I speak to my granny and granddad more than I've ever spoke to them before. There's so many things that I want to take from lockdown and, you know, make sure that I keep up with them. And it is stuff like that, like really appreciating the little stuff, like speaking on the phone. <laughs> that I phoned I actually phoned a friend and she they answered and they were like are you all right is everything okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just I need to check you're all right like how are you and I had um my friend Claire down in Cornwall I was pretty good at phoning her um but she actually is normally better with text and so I think it's just become a stubborn thing she'll text mm. me back and I'm like I'm phoning you um, <laughs> I can I can stick a headphone in and have a phone conversation and like carry on with the washing whilst up whilst you do things I know yeah, yeah yeah like life stuff done whereas if I'm texting I am just texting and the conversation doesn't flow as much as well mm. I feel like you end up going into lots more different things when you phone calls so um lesson number one from lockdown make phone calls <laughs> and, and where can we find you on social media be it as your sort of personal page and your coaching side of things as well yeah so I'm on Instagram at Saffron Rose Heart and then my Instagram for the Miss Great Britain coaching is um this is me underscore Miss GB and um Instagram's kind of my main one um or the email address if you would like to get in touch by email is this is me pageant coaching at outlook.com amazing and i'll make sure all those links are in the show notes as well so wherever you're listening to this check out the show notes um if you didn't have a pen handy and um, well it's always nice to just be able to click on stuff isn't it yeah, um, yeah. like we don't know anyone's phone numbers anymore because we just click into our contacts and that's it um, <laughs> but thank you so much for being on with me it's been so amazing to talk to you oh no thank you for having me i've absolutely loved it Thank you for joining me today. I value and appreciate your time so much. It's wonderful you've given some of it to this episode. Please rock on over to our Facebook or Instagram and share your thoughts. And I would love you to give this episode a share while you're there. For any specific links, check the show notes or rock on over to our website, pageantlandpodcast.com for more information about the podcast or how you can be a guest on a future episode. Have an amazing day. And remember, you sparkle your brightest when you're being yourself. See you soon.